Howdy y'all, I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First and the new host of our Women of Influence podcast. Our regular interview series with powerful female business leaders drops every other Friday, but we've taken to sharing previews of those conversations in the off weeks to keep the knowledge and the conversation flowing. In a few minutes, we'll be sharing one of those previews with you, part of our conversation with Corrine Berger, J.P. Morgan's Columbus location leader, who also holds a bevy of other high-profile titles for the financial giant. But I also want to use these preview episodes to give you all some news you can use, maybe a few tidbits about a powerful woman in history, a rundown of the biggest news story you might have missed this week, or just my take on the latest amazing thing that Reese Witherspoon has done. This week, by way of introducing myself to you all, I'm going to draw on my southern roots, born of five years in Virginia and five more in Nashville, and tell you about one of the coolest women in the entertainment industry whose name is not Reese Witherspoon. Dolly Parton. I'll freely admit that I didn't know much about the amazing Dolly until I moved to Tennessee, so I'll forgive you Midwesterners if your Dolly knowledge is limited to awareness that she would rather a woman named Jolene not take her man. Without further ado, here are three amazing facts about Dolly Parton, one of the greatest songwriters of our time and an impressive businesswoman whom we should all admire. One, Dolly might be famous for her country stylings, but one of the biggest songs she ever wrote is best known for a cover by another artist, the inimitable Whitney Houston. Yes, Dolly Parton wrote I Will Always Love You, made famous by Whitney in the movie The Bodyguard. The Dolly version is still good, though I will admit she doesn't hit the key change quite as hard. But she wrote it because she is amazing and probably knew one day Whitney would come along and crush it. That's probably why Dolly declined to sell the publishing rights to the song to Elvis Presley when he asked for them. She just had a sense someone else was coming. Two, Dolly is part owner of an amusement park. Okay, that one you probably know. Dollywood is named for her. But Dolly's theme park stewardship is about more than dollars and cents. Like much of what she does, Dolly wanted to find a way to give back to the part of East Tennessee where she grew up, bringing new jobs and dollars to its economy. Here's how she put it in a recent interview with the New York Times. I knew this would be a wonderful business venture, but I also knew it would really bring a lot of joy and happiness and a lot of jobs too. That was important to me. Growing up poor, I know how important it is to make a living and take pride in it. Three. This one's my favorite and the one I think you're least likely to know about. In 1995, Dolly launched her Imagination Library, a program that sends free books to kids all over the country. I didn't learn about the program until I moved to Nashville, where I heard an adorable story from my old boss about her young son hearing a Dolly song and saying, she sings too? That's the lady who sends me books. Or something else super cute like that. More information about the library is available at his website. Okay, after that brief sojourn into the wonderful world of Dolly, it's time to turn our eyes back here to Columbus and hear what Kareen Berger has to say about mentorship, good and bad advice, and how long you should stay in a job before you move on to the next one. Look for more from Kareen next week as well, and let me know what else you'd like to learn about on these bi-weekly episodes. Kind of a big talker for women in business, I feel like, is always mentorship. Um, is that something that has factored a lot into your career or or not so much? And Yeah, I, I had, I've had a couple of really strong, everybody has strong, you know, mentors, I think, throughout career, whether it's a boss, whether it's um, somebody you've looked to. You know, at Deloitte, I had a very strong uh, woman audit manager. She was very picky about who would work for her. And she had really high standards, and I would just, you know, completely look up to her. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember she told me once, because I was um, at work late by myself working on something that um, she had given me, and she came up to me, and she's like, where's your team? I said, well, I let them go home. And she's like, Kareen, 
Expect from others what you're willing to give yourself. Because if you don't do that, you will not succeed in the long run. Mm -hmm. She said, make sure your team's here tomorrow night with you. And, you know, so, you know, she gave me some really good pointers on it. But I've always had lots of mentors. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, and even like some of the bad managers I've had have been great mentors because... I learned what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, I don't like that. But, you know, somebody's always got something that you can learn from them. Yeah. You don't get to the, you know, kind of stages of being, you know, successful in a big four or successful in a company like J.P. Morgan Chase without having some really strong attribute. So trying to find those folks, they've tended to be bosses, former bosses. Mm-hmm. And I keep up with all of them. Stop in, find out what they're doing, you know, check in and and. You know, networking and mentorship is, when it's informal, it's natural, and is is a really powerful tool. Mm-hmm. What's the worst advice that you've ever received? Gosh, the worst advice I've ever received. I don't even know if I can remember it mm-hmm. because I'm not the type that if it's bad, you always kind of create something new out of it. Mm-hmm. Probably the worst advice was when I was... Earlier in my career, people told me, you know, you can just stay right where you're at. You don't need to move. You know, you can end up your career in in the role that you're in. Mm -hmm. And I got kind of complacent and a little bit satisfied with that for not a long time, for a couple of years. And I'm like, no, I don't. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my career. And I can do a lot more things. And I I, I think it was more of a self-serving advice Mm -hmm. than advice that was good for me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and yeah, because they were your boss. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stay where you're at. Yeah, don't move. Great. And I did. I do find you know that that's kind of one of those things where you, you you look back and how do I change how I do? And you know, like I I would never tell someone that you should stay in your job and not try something different. And no matter how hard it would be on me as a manager, if there's a great opportunity for someone to do something. I will find a way to to get them into that position um, because it's great for them. It's going to be great for me in the long run because the more people I can develop that um, have come out of my team, the more people I have to tap, which are kind of my network. And, you know, a little bit of my network Mm -hmm. is not only like the mentors that I've had, but the people who I've worked with. People often say, once you worked for Kareen, you always work for Kareen because I always go back to my, my well and my resources and you know, try to have them help where when I have a problem. It's worked out great. People are doing some great things in the firm. Have you had anyone on kind of that mentorship question come to you and say, I want you to be my mentor, or is it more kind of naturally people that you're that are working for you that you develop those relationships with? People do that all the time. Um, and I will talk to people, but I do find where it's more natural, mm-hmm. it's better for both. Yeah. It's better for me to give, you know, the advice and um, also because I know the person mm-hmm. and you, you know, me- mentorship is not a one and done kind of thing. It's, it's something that's nurtured over years and years and you, you get to know the person, you get to know how they tick, what's important. And when it really starts working well, it's, it's really a great thing. But yes, I get asked all the time. I often ask people, you know, okay, come with a, you know, kind of an agenda of things you want to talk about. And you can tell pretty quickly whether it's going to last mm-hmm. longer or shorter. But I'm happy to talk to anybody about how to navigate a big company like, like J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. What is the, the number one piece of advice you would give a 22-year-old new grad of Ohio State and how to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, I'd say try to change jobs every two years. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
learn as much as you can as quick as you can. Employers will say they like to keep you in a job for every three years because I think the first year, both you and the company are, are, are learning. The second year, I think the employee gets the max out of the second year. The third year is the payback to the company. Mm-hmm. But from an employee perspective, if you could move every two years, you could learn so many different things quickly in your career. See lots of managers, you know, learn your style, learn your leadership capabilities, do those things early in your career. I was fortunate enough to be able to do that worked for lots of different people during that time period, did lots of different projects during that time, so that when I got to a a place to to really uh, manage uh, people, I had seen lots of of different uh, manager styles. So Mm -hmm. I would say, like, move lots, learn lots, work for lots of different people. That's the employee side. The the, the, the pool side of it is the employer's going to try to keep you right where you're at for a period of time. So is that something you facilitate? at J.B. Morgan, or or are you trying to keep people in their jobs for three years? <laughs> oh, I'm trying to keep people in jobs for three years, absolutely. <laughs> That's, you know, and I say, realize my, you know, my goal mm-hmm. is to keep you right right where you are because I'm going to get the max out of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so my, my job, I think, in that third year is to try to figure out how do I continue to make that employee grow during that third year so it's not just the payback period. Mm-hmm. 